We've read the lesson for your hearing from the 24th chapter of Luke. For homiletic emphasis, I would like to hone in on Luke 24, verse 40. And when he had said this, Jesus, when Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his feet. Don't be scared of scars. Don't be scared of scars. My friends, according to a recent article, the global cosmetic surgery market is on the rise. Australians spent nearly $890 million on minimal non-invasive procedures. In 2016, doctors performed over 18,000 liposuctions in China. And experts regard plastic surgery apps and games on smartphones where kids can manipulate selfies to change their noses, to change their chins. Experts consider these as little more than gateways to manufacture desire among adolescents. This phenomenal growth explains why market forecasters believe that cosmetic surgery will hit nearly $22 billion in the next five years. One might argue that this is an unfortunate but understandable feature of a hypervisual society. It's not just in Hollywood where physical appearance is privileged and where aging is an anathema. For surgically chiseled chins and wrinkle-free foreheads bring rewards in many different sectors of society. Social scientists have gathered the data. Quote, unquote, attractive and or youthful appearances translate into higher incomes, faster professional advancement, and even other financial benefits such as lower mortgage rates. What I want to juxtapose this morning is this interest in elective cosmetic surgery with what we see in today's lectionary text. In many ways, elective procedures reflect the ways that you and I seek to control life. Yet today's passage is about the stress and strain of life's uncertainty. Cosmetic surgeries often capture how we attempt to conceal perceived human flaws. This lesson, on the other hand, reveals Jesus modeling the marks of human frailty. Think about this text. Luke's account of Jesus' post-resurrection appearance is consistent with a parallel narrative in John's Gospel, chapter 20. 
In both Luke and in John, Jesus encourages the disciples to look and touch his wounds. Don't be afraid. I told you I would return. It's me. And rather than recall specific memories concerning their past together, Rather than Jesus elaborating on the meanings of his teachings, even the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, behold the scars on my hands. Look at the scars on my feet. My friends, this is a curious request. This is an ironic ask. We have a resurrected Savior who purports to signify the power and the glory of Almighty God. We have a man whose followers have crowned him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So why would a man who has the power to overcome the grave elect the model, elect a model? the marks of torture and misery. I want to suggest for you this morning that by revealing his scars, this story makes an important point about God revealed in Christ Jesus. For God demonstrates that God's love and God's power through Jesus' willingness to identify with humanity God does this at the most basic level. Jesus identifies with our fragility. Jesus identifies with our vulnerability. What does it mean? What does it mean for Jesus to authenticate his presence in this manner of all the ways that Jesus could have certified his identity and verified his authority. Jesus chose to show his scars. When the disciples, when they were frozen in fear and fascination, Jesus could have conjured up a cherubic choir to serenade him with psalms of exaltation and praise. But no. Jesus reveals the holes where rusty nails penetrated his wrists. When the disciples, when the disciples doubted his presence, Jesus could have made a palm print in the sand and the palm print would have read upon close inspection. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word came and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. But no, Jesus pulled up his tunic to reveal the disfigured ankles of death row. The disciples are here standing before Jesus in fear and trembling. The disciples have not resigned to what Kierkegaard refers to as a tremendous and even absurd leap of faith. The disciples, they need to wrap their minds around some empirical evidence here. Show us that we're not seeing a ghost. 
Tell us that we're not losing our mind, Jesus. Give us some evidence that you've risen from the grave. And it's in this context that Jesus uses the injustice of false imprisonment and the injuries of crucifixion to declare his authority. Jesus, uh, he doesn't mask the remaining marks of this horrific event. Nor is Jesus ashamed of what his wounds culturally signify. Jesus says, look at my hands. As often is the case in the gospel narratives, Jesus is one step ahead of his disciples. The disciples, they're searching for a sign of recognition Prove to us that you're the one, Jesus. But Jesus offers a sign of identification. I am the one who's here with you. The disciples identified Jesus as their Lord since Jesus identifies with them, namely through their fear and namely through their suffering. For is there any other common denominator of the human condition? Is there any other reality that cuts across all of the sectors of society? Is there any other truth that connects us according to and across our falsely constructed social categories than the prevalence of pain, than the ubiquity of suffering, hurt, Disappointment, anxiety, insecurity, broken hearts. All of us, all of us here today, I don't care where you come from, I don't care where you're going, I don't care where you've been, all of us bear, we're laden with the scars of our past. Some of us here today, some of our scars like Jesus's, were a result of injustice. Some of you bear the marks, the nails of sexism, the nails of homophobia, the nails of classism and racism. They've left deep wounds in your psyche and upon your body. And what's more, like Pilate, some of us have lived at the mercy of our own prejudices. Some of us, like Pilate, have lived at the behest of our own bigotry. And as a result, we carry the crosses of our own xenophobia upon our backs. Look at our hands. There's others of us here today that we've been scarred by the nails of violence and abuse. Physical, sexual, emotional, even institutional. Many of us here, we may look good, we may smell good, we may appear on the outside to have it all together. But under our designer clothes and under our lofty titles, there remain the scars of tragic moments that we have endured, the insecurities that are exacerbated, not alleviated by our so-called success in life. 
because it feels like the higher we rise, the more we have to conceal the scars of our past abuse. Some of us are scared that one day and someday our friends, our families, our colleagues might see our scars. Someday, somebody might look upon us and see our insecurities and see our anxiety. Somebody might look upon our flesh and say, the emperor doesn't have on any clothes. So we don't want to conceal our scars to the world. And the more we disguise, the more anxious we become. And the more anxious we become, the more prominent our scars become. And it's the indelible impact of those scars on our lives that rather than concealing, there comes that moment where we all just have to say, look at our feet. And there's others of us in here. If we're honest with ourselves, some of us have to admit that certain scars we carry, that those wounds were self-inflicted. How many of you in this place have prayed that universal plea of repentance that I like to call the liar's prayer? It goes something like this. Lord, if you get me out of this one, Okay, that's not y'all. I promise I'll never do it again. And even though you and I have survived to pray that prayer another day, our mistakes and our missteps of the past can nevertheless leave the wounds and psychological scars that remain with us in the present. But the good news, my friends, the good news is that you and I do not need to look past one another's wounds nor deny our own imperfections. God does not require a cosmetic fix of us. Jesus tells his disciples, don't be scared of scars. Look at them. Touch them. Acknowledge them. Oh, for your scars are testaments and memorials to the obstacles that we've overcome and the trials that we have transcended. I understand that we live in a forward-thinking culture. I understand that we live in a society that is consumed with all things tomorrow. For many of us, the past is irrelevant. We live on a teleology of progress. And those of us who reference the past in ways except to mythologize the past in order to justify our current status quo. For those of us who acknowledge the past to identify the scars of our society, we're often viewed as being cynical malcontents. We're often conjuring up the past. We're, oh, we're consumed with and we're blamed for living in the past. As a matter of fact, I can imagine if Jesus lived in our contemporary American context and he said to somebody, look at my scars. 
Look at my feet. I can imagine somebody accusing Jesus of playing the victim. Come on, Jesus, you're resurrected. That crucifixion thing, it's in the past. Let it go. Move on. But I'm here to say that that's a dangerous approach to life. Because it's this sort of ignorance of history that invites our despair in the present. But when we acknowledge the scars of our past and allow us, they allow us to mark the trials that we've overcome, acknowledging the wounds of our past also helps us to recognize past hurts so that we might today begin the process of our healing. Oh, when I think about concealing scars, the story of a journalist named Elizabeth Williams comes to mind. Elizabeth Williams, she had a five centimeter bald spot on the back of her head from a successful cancer surgery. Sister Williams was not ashamed of her scar at all. As a matter of fact, in her words, the things that make us stand out to others can remind us of the most dramatic, heroic moments of our lives. Her eight-year-old daughter, however, would often ask her to cover up the bald spot, to put on a wig, to put on a hat, particularly when they were in public. Why? Because her eight-year-old daughter was ashamed of that. But this is why Sister Williams was surprised and relieved one day when her daughter came home and told her about an encounter on the playground. Her daughter's friend, a new second grader at the local elementary school, she was born without a left hand. And one day she held up her left wrist to the little girl and she asked her new friend, she said, do I freak you out? And the same little girl, the same little girl who was often embarrassed by her mother's scar calmly replied, why would I be freaked out? I love you. And I came by here to tell somebody this morning that that's the message that God has for us today. Despite the things that make us different or that set us apart, we should not be ashamed of our flaws or freaked out by our scars. God is saying to us, why would I be freaked out? I love you and to prove this fact Jesus is saying you need not look any further than the scars on my hands and the scars on my feet for it's with these scarred hands that God is reaching out to us today in our imperfections saying, I love you just as you are.